Hey, this is your host, Daquana Farrell. Thank you for joining me again for another episode of Queen Conversations. I'm so excited for the guests that I have today, some amazing women uh, that use their voices in unique ways um, to communicate their experience and to relate to others. Um, I don't want to waste any time, any time at all. Um, I want to jump right into these introductions. Listen, if you are watching us via YouTube or uh, Facebook, go ahead and share this. Um, otherwise, you can listen to this uh, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, our first guest today is Monique Charay. Uh, Monique Charay is a media coach and video marketing strategist with over 15 years of experience as a media personality and producer for television and radio. As a former entertainment journalist, she loves interviewing um, inter, uh, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and emptying events. She holds a BA in mass communication with the emphasis in broadcast journalism. Her passion for media stems from her father, who was a well-known radio personality and voiceover actor for many years. Her mother is a fashion designer and top-notch seamstress. She is Monique's first example of an entrepreneur. Um, taking after her father, um, she is a notable personality. Uh, Monique has several years of on-air uh, on air radio experience and production with stations such as 90.1 KKFI, 107.9 The Foundation, and Praise 95.3. Uh, she was she has interviewed notable celebrities, politicians, and community leaders on local and national level, both radio and red carpet for awards shows such as the Stellar Awards. She has also written and produced television entertainment talk shows. As a media coach, Monique helps coaches and serve base service-based professionals master their on-camera presence and video marketing strategy so that they can increase their impact and income through the power of video she believes entrepreneurs have a voice and a message and that they are able to develop the skills to flourish on any media platform in her spare time monique enjoys acting singing writing uh, devouring good Jamaican dish. Uh, I hear you on that. And taking a new travel adventures with her husband. Let's welcome Monique. Hey, Monique Jeray. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome. Ooh. So glad to have you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Our next guest is Christy Hunter. Uh, Christy is um, an entrepreneur, motivational speaker, Christian counselor, and the author of The Road to Your Purpose, Life after pain. She is dedicated to helping you heal um, from the wounds that life traumas can leave behind and get you on course with the God-ordained destiny that you were created for. Having walked this road herself, Christy is fully equipped to guide and support you on your journey. Beyond the stage and public platform, Christy employs her warm and humorous personality to encourage and promote personal, mental, and relational health and wholeness uh, one life at a time. You will find her using her traditional and social media platforms to keep her audience engaged, empowered, and motivated to go the distance and achieve the, ch uh, the changes they want to see. Christy hails from uh, Ohio, where she raised her son and daughter. Let's welcome to the show, Christy. Hey, Miss Christy. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And last and certainly not least in my book, um, our last guest is Crystal Chris Campbell. Uh, Campbell is a two-time graduate of Eastern Michigan University. 
love my eagles. Um, she is a communicator, educator, writer, armchair academic with the pen, uh, uh, penchant for used vintage things. She was first published in 1987 uh, with her poem, Blow, Wind, Blow, and was featured in the Flint Journal, where she's from. She's the author uh, of a poetry chat book, uh, While Dwelling in the Outskirts of Obscurity, uh, Boogie Brown, also in Eagle, Girl Publications um, in 2007, and has been published in several anthologies, blogs, and newspapers, including the 19, I'm sorry, uh, 2019 Untold Stories of Love and Liberation. She's a 2015 Nas Creative Community Fellow. Chris loves Black folks, ethnic food, obscure soul music, and uh, speculative. There we go. Got there. We go. Got your attitude. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Hey, good morning. So glad to have you on the show this morning. So, ladies, I always do this at the beginning of every show. It's a this or that because I just like getting to know more about people on a personal level. So, uh, simple questions pancakes or waffle? I'll start with uh, Monique. Thanks <laughs> with blueberries. Oh, with blueberries. Okay, gotta gotta add the blueberries, Chris. Chris, oh, I'm, I'm a waffle girl with the apples. <laughs> mm, yeah, okay. I'm just like Chris. Pancakes with the crispy edges, you know. Crispy edges. Yes. 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 <laughs> If you're going to do it, you got to do it right. I am not a fan of pancakes. I do not eat, eat pancakes at all, but I love waffles. <laughs> I love waffles. Okay, this is, this is, it's, it's getting tougher. Library or museum? Monique. Mm. I'm going to say library. Mm-hmm. Okay, easy. Christy? I'm going to say museum because I'm a fan of the arts. Gotcha. Mm. Chris? Libraries have art. <laughs> The library is my favorite place in the world, in the whole Absolutely. world. Absolutely. Love it. Um, so theater or cinema, Monique? Ooh, that's a good one. That is tough. I'm <laughs> gonna say, I'm gonna say theater. Good. I'm Christy? Go theater as well. Theater as well. Chris. See, I'm a child of the 80s. I'm gonna say cinema. <laughs> love, a good, uh, love a good flick huh yeah um, you know what's funny when i uh i went to we both went to eastern michigan and um it, it culturally in the midwest is is it's a little diverse and so when i first went to eastern michigan people would say like hey, i'm going to the show and in my mind i was thinking theater show and they were actually <laughs> talking about the movies i was like oh, oh okay. right <laughs> <laughs> so uh comedy or horror comedy Comedy. Definitely comedy. I love a good laugh. Across so, the board, comedy. Comedy, yes. Good. So I, I like the genre of comedy and movies, but I am not like, let me go to a comedy show kind of girl. So mm-hmm. uh, those are pretty cool. And this one, I got to ask everybody, Apple or Android? I just need to know. Monique? Android. Oh, <laughs> it's Apple. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm a droid as well. <laughs> <laughs> we split down the middle on that one. <laughs> <laughs> all day, every day. So thanks so much for uh, for obliging me on that. Um, want to talk to each of you uh, because not only are you authors, but you guys occupy so many different spaces where you're utilizing your voice. Um, I just want to start out by asking you, when did you realize that you were a writer? Regardless of what you do and how you do it and what you write, when did you realize that you were a writer? Monique, I'll start with you. I would say in elementary school, maybe like the fourth or fifth grade, I just remember thinking like, wow, I love English. Like English was my favorite subject. I just loved how you can just like create a world with words. And mm -hmm. so from that point, I started writing like little, little bitty love songs, like in fourth grade, right? <laughs> but I started writing, you know, like little songs. And so I would say at that point, that's when I realized I was a writer. Absolutely. Christy? My passion for writing actually came when I was in about sixth grade. I read the story of Helen Keller and it inspired me. And I just love how when you pick up a book, it can take you to a place where your imagination can be opened up to a full creativity or you can learn something and it can empower you to do more. And so at that point, um, I learned about journaling. So I've been journaling a long time. And so just being able to put how I feel or what I'm thinking on paper and then to make it come alive. So that's what I knew I was I was a writer. Yeah. Chris. You know, I don't know how, when I knew I was a writer. I know when I was told that I was a writer. I yeah. was in about second grade in my elementary teacher um, back in Flint where I'm from, Flint Town. Um, the, the, the elementary school was holding a, a talent show and I wanted to be in this talent show because I used to watch Kids Incorporated. So being on stage just seemed like the best thing to do. And so I didn't tell my teacher, I didn't tell my mom, but I wrote a poem and I auditioned after school. <laughs> I auditioned after school for this, this, this talent show and I got into the talent show. Didn't think to tell anyone. So the whole class goes down to the auditorium for the talent show, you know, walk in the file line, you sit down. And eventually the coordinator of this talent show calls my name to get up and perform this poem that I've written. And my teacher's face hit the floor and my mom's mouth hit the floor because no one knew <laughs> that I was planning to get up and perform this little poem that I had done. So I did it. Didn't win the talent show because third graders are not interested in poetry um, <laughs> but my mom and my teacher were both so impressed not only because I had written this piece but because I had taken the initiative to audition for this show and to get into this show and my teacher started saying you're a poet and you know it you're a poet and you know it right like like the set the set never motivation and it, and it never left so I don't know if it was getting on stage and being impressive for a second grader or if it was the fact that I wrote my own material and then got on stage. But something bit me that day and it's, it's been over ever since. That's amazing. Um, so uh, uh, some of you denoted that, you know, your writing was public. Um, Christy said you journal and so it's private. How much of what you write is for public consumption? How much of what you write is for, for you? Uh, Monique? You know, like Christy, I do journal as well. And it's it's really therapeutic. I would say most, a lot of it is private. Um, maybe at times, because, you know, with the anthology that I'm a part of and then um, writing, you know, for different short films and stuff like that, I think for periods of time, it may be public. But for the most part, you know, it's private, it's therapeutic. It's, you know, how I express myself. Yeah. Christy? 
And definitely for me, it's probably more private. Um, I think that it could be public, um, depending on how much of it the Lord leads me to write to share, right? <laughs> okay. Chris? So I would, I would agree with both Monique and Christy that most of my writing is private, but it is not, it's private because it's not fit, I think, for public consumption yet. Mm -hmm. It's lists, right? right? It's letters to myself, notes to myself. I also journal, and so it's that personal journal writing. Um, and then I write a lot for work, which is not necessarily the kind of work that the reading that the general public wants to make. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think the majority of the writing that I do, because it is not narrative, it's not personal, is for the public, my notes and my work things. Um, but the things that I write that I plan to eventually share, those things that are most touching or, you know, have the most revelations are very private, private mm -hmm. works right now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so who are the writers that inspire you all? Uh, and it can be from any genre, multiple genres. It can be whatever it is that inspires you. Who are the writers? Uh, Monique, who, who inspires you to write? Ooh, that's a good one. I would say in college, I was definitely a big Nikki Giovanni fan. Mm -hmm. um, definitely, of course, Maya Angelou. I also remember reading Eric Durham, Dickie novels mm -hmm. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> the soldier. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been a fan of, you know, like Chris poetry mm -hmm. and then also uh, fiction stories, you know, uh, Michelle mm -hmm. McKinney Hammond. So just like I just like fiction. So yeah. I would say those. OK, Christy. So for me, what rekindled my love for writing probably was Alanya Van Zandt, a lot of her books. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, being that um, I went to uh, a Bible Center at the time, um, Vanessa Miller Pierce was a great author um, locally. And so was Valerie Lewis Coleman. And so they were just instrumental in sparking that flame for me. And then Victoria Christopher Murray, she writes a lot of Christian books and I actually love her books and I just can't wait for them to recognize her talent and really put them on film because I think she really does have an audience that would be able to relate to her writing on a real life level. Mm -hmm. Okay. Chris. So who, the question is who motivates me to write? Jay well, California. Which writers in particular? Okay. Um, Jay California Cooper moves me to tears mm. and, and makes me feel like I can do it. She's an amazing, was, may she rest in peace, was an amazing fiction writer, short stories, short anthologies, um, amazing narrative. She's got a beautiful eye. So Jay California Cooper is one of my favorites. Um, Alice Walker is forever and ever, always. Like, pa patron saint Legend. of women's yes. work, right? And so she's one that motivates me to write. And then lately there have been several black female speculative fiction writers that have me thinking very futuristically and make me want to try my hands at, you know, something with some spaceships or some aliens or something. Yes, and they it. would be um, like Nalo Hopkinson, N.K. Jemison is another <laughs> one. Um, those are some of my favorites right now. That's where oh, yeah. I am, the space that I'm in right now. Yes, we need more sisters in the sci-fi space. I would actually read it. <laughs> there, there, there are so many that are emerging. It's amazing. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, this, this is a, this is a, a random question that I do have though. If, if, if there was a writer that could write your story, who would it be? Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, the first person that comes to my well, Issa Ray came to mind. I'm like, no, maybe not. Issa. I love Issa though. <laughs> I don't know. She'd have some crazy stuff in there. Um, if there was a writer, I, I'm gonna say, I, if I can mix, uh, maybe Shonda Rhimes with a Tyler Perry. Mm. That's what I, I love it, Christy. Honestly, I was thinking of Tyler Perry because my life is so wild and so crazy. I fit right in the spectrum with Medea. So Tyler Perry can really make that uh, really interactive. (laughs) That is such a tough question. Uh, I'm going to say right now, Robin Thede. Are you all familiar with Robin Thede from a Black Lady Sketch Show? Yes, yes. That woman can layer in comedy and commentary and contemporary a contemporary view. And then Mm -hmm. she writes from a place that seems very um like turn of the century. Like I'm and I'm talking like 1990, night to like 2000, right? Her references. Mm-hmm. Um, the jokes that she makes come from that era, and that's when I came of age. Right, exactly. And so I'm I'm gonna say Robin Thede. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Okay, so who do you all write for? I want to talk about your art, your the 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 work that you create. Um, who do you write for? Uh, who's your audience, Monique? Well, it it has kind of changed a bit. I would say on the 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 fiction side, the entertainment side, it would be more so for, let's just use the word millennials. Um, Like for instance, I wrote like a a short series, Single and Save in the City, right? (laughs) So that's more so, you know, millennial women. Mm -hmm. Um, This anthology is for women. So I I would guess, I I would say women. Women, Mm -hmm. I would say maybe 30 and up. Okay. Uh, Monique, tell me a little about a little bit about the anthology, how it came about, about, and some of the the women that you partner with on this on this project. Well, uh, her name is Precious Brown, and she's actually from Michigan. So yeah, I'm like, you know, I think she lived in Michigan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll have uh, to talk Precious. afterwards. <laughs> okay. So Precious and I, we know each other from a mutual friend, and she is, she calls herself the book to business cultivator. So what mm-hmm. she does is for people who write books, she helps them turn it into a business. Well, she said one day she was at the bookstore and there was an anthology of, I think it was like a hundred women, a hundred notable women who like made history or changed the world or something like that. And she said out of the 100 women, it was maybe only like four black women. And mm. so for her, that was like, oh, no, we have to change this. So she took it upon herself to get some women together to, you know, change it. So that's mm-hmm. how I became a part of the Impact Anthology. And um, it was seven of us for this first go round. But she plans on putting out more books until she gets to 100 black women authors. That is amazing. Absolutely love that. Um, and that speaks to the importance of our voice in, in different spaces, right? Um, yeah. Go to the library, going to the bookstore and seeing the names of people that look like you. Christy, who do you write for? Who's your audience? My audience are people who've experienced um, pain and traumas, right? Because I'm about healing, the holistic. You can heal and not be whole. So the goal mm-hmm. is to heal you so that you can become whole, right? And so in that, um, I write for anybody, male, female, young, old, who's experienced a trauma and has really become stagnant or stuck in that place so that they can have the motivation they need to be catapulted forward so that they don't be, they're not dormant in that place that God has called them for purpose. Mm-hmm. 
And Christy, tell me a little bit about the project that you wrote as a result of some of the things that you experienced um, specific to that, the road to your purpose, life after pain. Tell me a little bit so, about the project itself. That particular project really was birthed out of my own life experiences, um, just out of some traumas that I experienced at a young age um, from being um, raped at the age of seven, molested at the age of 11 and dealing with those traumas and trying to grow up and find out what it was like to be a normal little girl, what relationships and healthy relationships were like. And so um, they're going through therapy, talking it out, having that relationship with God, leaning on the word and allowing him really just to come in and use his word to cleanse me and to heal me and teach me to love myself and teach me that it's okay to date myself and be with myself um, and really push me into that next level. And so that's kind of what the road to your purpose, life after pain, that was the the basis for that project. And um, how was that process for you, having written about something so, so personal? Um, I didn't dig deep and make it personal. I kind of left it a lot of surface um, because as I began to get deeper, you know, some things still kind of, the residue, some things may still be there, still be a little bit painful. But some places um, in the book, you'll find that it's very invigorating. I'm very eye-opening that I really was able to kind of open up and just share um, the the process to that journey of healing and then finding out what my purpose is in Christ. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chris, who do you write for? Let me tell y'all um, my encounter with Chris, like how I, how I, how I come to know who is the lady Chris. Um, <laughs> she was a part of the black student union at Eastern Michigan university. And we used to have open mic nights. And I was like, who is this chick? I love her. <laughs> vibe in her whole oh. life and and we're, we we we've never been like really close friends but we've been really close via social media and yeah we're social media besties we are social media besties <laughs> for sure but i can remember encountering her and her sharing her poetry and i was just like i like her oh, thank <laughs> you so chris who do you write for who do you write for you know i write because i write for me it means that I write for anyone who has anything in common with me or my perspective. Love right? it. And so that gives me the room for my writing to grow. Right now mm -hmm. I'm writing for, you know, 41 year old, busy, busy mid-career mama. Right. Mm -hmm. But maybe 15 years ago I was writing for, you know, mid twenties, something black woman in a city trying to figure it out. Right, And I'm really looking forward to being that woman that is like empty nester, got some time on my hands. Let me reflect back on my life. Right. Writing. I'm looking forward to that space. Um, so I write for me and because my experience is not unique, because my spirit experience is not isolated. Anyone else who's had, you know, any any inkling of a of a similar experience to me will be able to relate. So you've seen your writing evolve as you've evolved as a person. Because oh, that's the, the audience that you write for. I absolutely oh, love that. Love that. And I feel like that's the way that relationships are built through writing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you sharing something in that uh, quiet little dark space mm -hmm. back undergraduate. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. Made that connection uh, with us. And I absolutely love that. So uh, what genre uh, do you all write uh, at this time or in time past? What genres uh, do you write or have written for? Monique, we'll start with you. Uh, so right now, it's 
um, nonfiction. Uh, Impact is is an anthology, so it's real life stories. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's nonfiction, and then but I still love um, like fiction, entertainment. You know, just kind of creating stories as well. And so, like you said, you know, you kind of evolve, mm -hmm. but that that part of me is still there. So you know, I got some some cooking up for that sp specifically. <laughs> Stir it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? So, me, I'm the novice in the room. So, I'm in a room with a whole bunch of professionals. So, it's good that I get to take in this energy and this information. So, as I prepare for the next book, I can kind of, you know, open up a little bit more. But mine is probably just Christian nonfiction. Mm -hmm. um, and then just that, that wisdom literature to, you know, about growth and self development. Cool. Chris. So, I fancy myself an essayist these days. Okay. Um, so kind of this kind of creative nonfiction that Monique mentioned, you know, um, narrative memoir based fiction um, that happens to be, you know, humorous. Mm -hmm. uh, in the past, I've been a poet, you know, have written academic writings for my day job. My writing is all, you know, policy and press releases. Mm -hmm. But but personally, I think it would be creative nonfiction. Okay, cool. So I want to talk about um, you all and, and, and others, uh, why it is so important uh, to hear the, uh, the, the voices of Black women in writing, in written form. What's the importance of it historically, um, current day context, and what you think that will mean for the future? Um, Chris and Christy are both moms, and um, I want to talk about what that means for the young women that you're raising um, and, and Monique too. Um, but I want to talk about that voice, what that voice has been, what that voice is today and what it will mean for the future and why it's important. So Monique, I'll start, I'll start with you. You know, because we're so unique, uh, we're so layered and I want us to be able to tell our own stories, you know, because we just have so much to tell. Mm -hmm. You know, just kind of listening to your aunties and your grandmas and you know what I mean? It's just so rich. And I just feel like, you know, when other people try to tell our stories, where are they getting this from? Are they getting it from mm -hmm. us? Are they, are they creating this? You know, we just have so much to tell. And so as it has been said before, we evolve. And I just feel like we're just so layered um, and unique. And so we just need to, to show the beauty of, of what that is. Mm -hmm. Wow. I agree. Christy. You know, there's no other voice more powerful than the voice of a Black woman. Um, our experiences are so different. Um, we are layered. We are multifaceted. We are high. We are low. We are wide. We Whatever it is that we need to be, we are. And so when you hear the story from the voice of a Black woman, you can relate no matter what your culture or background is because we've experienced it all, because we've dealt with it all, we've pushed through it all, we've labored through it all, because we've had to be diverse in everything that we've done. You know, we couldn't just focus on being a mom because mom just, you know, life wouldn't allow us to do that. Mm -hmm. We had to be the, the college student, the mother, the wife, the sister, the cousin, the auntie, the uncle, and whoever, whatever else we needed to be. So I think it's important that, you you know, our voices are different and that, that people hear that because they get a full spectrum of what this world really looks like and what it has to offer because we touch everything in it. Yes. Wow. So I just heard you say black women are everything. <laughs> everything. Everything. I mean, think yeah. about it. Christy, about it you, let me tell you, let me tell you what, at what point that statement you just made hit me. 
like when she said we labor through it, like that hit me. We hard. do. We labor through it. And that, that is such a reality of life, what we as black women have endured um, and endure on a regular basis. So that is crucial. Chris. So I've been over here writing down things that Christy has said. So <laughs> <laughs> she had me at the road to your purpose, okay? Um, so yeah, I, I think they all summed it up really well. And I will only add that our existence is resistance. We have been here, we are here, we will be here. But in order for, for that impact, in order for the, the, the world-saving, miraculous responses, push up our sleeves, we'll take care of it. Um, in order for that to be communicated to the future generations, in order for our daughters and our daughters' daughters to know that, we have to document. Mm. So for me, I think it's the documentation. It's why I love social media. It's why I love blogs. It's why I love things like this podcast. We are documenting our existence Thus, yeah. our resistance in real time. And so it's important. And so these layered stories, these laborious stories that we all have, these varied and non-monolithic stories that we all have, um, it's so important for us to write them down, to mm -hmm. record them, to retell them orally. It's important for us to catch our dialects. Our di dialects are changing. Yeah. So Neil Hurston wrote down Black dialect, you know, in the, in the 1920s and 30s and 40s because it sounded a specific way. It's mm -hmm. changing now because of the different spaces that we occupy. Twitter mm -hmm. and Instagram and Facebook has changed the way that we sound and the way that we speak. We got to put that down on paper so that the future will know what we sounded like and what we mm -hmm. looked like and what, what our stories felt like, right? And so documentation so that our resistance and our existence pushes forward. That is so amazing. And Chris, I want to talk about specifically... Um, other ways in which you use your voice and specifically you have an organization called sister speaks mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I want you to speak to sister speaks. Tell us what that's all about and, uh, and um, uh, why it's important and how we can support it. Sure. Certainly. So sister speaks um, began as my graduate work and it was just a workshop that I planned to do with the group of middle school girls because I found that we have lots of organizations that offer mentorship that offer business savvy, that offer etiquette, that offer, that offer leadership development, but there was nothing that spoke specifically to our voices, right? And so mm. Sister Speaks was an interactive, uh, theater-based, rites of passage-based program that I could deliver to middle school and high school girls to help empower their voices, to help them in advocate for themselves. Only it's fun, mm. right? We're doing theater games and we're doing icebreakers. And so you don't even realize that you are, um, that you're learning these skills that you'll be able to use later, right? So that's what it started. That's what Sister Speaks started as. It has since evolved into um, like a public speaking coaching space for young mm -hmm. people and for adults. It has evolved into um, like college preparatory courses. I've done, you know, you want to get into college, you've got to do these scholarship letters. Let me help you get these letters together. Let me help you get these scholarship packets together. Um, let me help you get that valedictorian speech prepared, right? So it started mm -hmm. as a program for girls. It has evolved into sort of a coaching business for young women and for adults. And so that's what Sister Speaks is. But it was just really important to me um, for us to acknowledge those voices that aren't always pushed to the front. The little shy, quiet girl in class that the teacher ignores or doesn't pay attention to because she doesn't make noise. Mm -hmm. Or the really loud foster Oh, 
this young lady that was just shot by the police four times in the, in the chest, Makaya, is mm. a sister speaks girl because she is a foster child. And so what you see is loud and angry and violent. And you assume that she don't give a about the world, but that's not the right. case. You don't hear her. Mm. And so Sister Speaks was also designed to help your Makayas shape their voice in a way that makes them heard. And that particular story is heartbreaking to me because I know her. Because I've seen her in classrooms, I've seen her in group homes, right? And even women like us, black professional women, we write them off. Mm. We write her off because she loud and she ghetto and she hood and she more concerned with her lashes and her and her inches, mm. right? Mm. But she needs us just Great. like this, you know, she needs That's us good. just like you know, your Dell Sprite or your or your Arcanet or your ACAD or your, you know, any yeah. other your youth group at the church. She needs us more than Absolutely. those girls need us. Um and so that's what Sister Speaks is about, finding those girls that fall through and don't make it to those other leadership development programs so that they can hone their own voices. And it's been dormant since COVID. And this conversation is, is reigniting. Yes. <laughs> it's reigniting the need for me to... I to, mean, to I, feel it. I feel the passion. I feel the fire. Yeah. I'm, so glad. I'm so glad. Um, That is so amazing. I am all about how we can empower each other, how we can empower the voice of the sisters coming behind us how we can support our elders. Like I'm all about that. Um, Monique, I want to talk to you about uh, what you do in the media space and how you prepare uh, folks for that space, specifically uh, black women. Is there anything in particular that you coach um, to, to help prepare black women or women in general for that, that public space? So, yeah, so I love just really helping, you know, entrepreneurs just be confident on camera. Cause as we see, you know, Video is not going anywhere. How many of us have been on Zoom meetings since the pandemic? You know, uh, you know what I mean? And I feel like sometimes the hindrance of like moving forward is just kind of just getting out there. You know what I mean? So for the first thing we work on is the mindset. I always say, hey, you know what? Your purpose is bigger than your flaws. You know, you hear Chris talk about Sister Speaks. Now, what if she was like, no, you know, I don't want to do this because of X, Y, Z, you know, because because I don't, you know, I, um, maybe my inches, my inches not long enough. You know, the people that really need you, they're not really even concerned about all the stuff that we're concerned about. Yeah. They want to know, hey, can you help me? Do you have the solution to the problem that I'm facing? You know what I mean? And so sometimes that means, hey, you know what? This isn't perfect. I may not have the best camera. I may not, but I have a message. Right. But I have a purpose. You know what I mean? And so I'm going to still continue to push forward. So work on the mindset, just being able to get on camera and share your message, share your story. Because once you do that, that creates that connection. And then, you know, it could just go on from there. So, That's yeah. Great. And then, Christy, I mean, you do so many things and wear so many hats. Uh, Christy occupies real estate space. She has some connections with the medical space. I mean, there, I don't think there's anything that you don't do, Christy. And my dad calls me a Jamaican. <laughs> Eleven jobs. Um, but just talk about the other spaces that you occupy and utilize your voice in the way that you help uh, others to do the same. Uh, so historically, um, there was a group um, for uh, women on the move and. Um, as a young mother, after I went through the program myself, um, I became affiliated with them 
when my son was diagnosed with cancer. And so they came to the hospital and they were praying for the children and they and I connected with them. And so I ended up going through the program myself as a young mom. And then um, as I matured and grew, I came back to help, you know, coach and work with other single moms and teach them different tools about, you know, what it is, what's the difference between a need and a want, how to save, financial literacy, and just began to do those things with them. And it really um, ignited a passion and a love for me for helping young women to grow. And so then I became a part of um, Elder Kelso. Um, I can't remember the name of her ministry. She has a Women Empowering Women um, ministry. So then I connected with that. And so it just kept me kind of in, encounter, encountering women and speaking with women and motivating them really to just be the best version of themselves. And so now I'm with Women in Power, uh, which is um, new um, that I've just kind of connected with and working with women in that regard and talking to them a little bit about the book. We're talking about rejection and different things like that. So on that platform, just working with women in general has been kind of where um, the Lord is leading me primarily. So, um, but other than that, you know about the real estate and so, and then what I do for public health. So, <laughs> fantastic, great. So, so appreciate you guys sharing those things. Um, I, 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 we're, we're coming to a, a close on the conversation, but before we depart though, I would like to hear um, um, some parting words of wisdom, encouragement uh, for women, young women, um, any woman that has um, that, that drive and passion to do it, uh, but may be fearful of doing it. Um, just, just some, some parting words for women that have a voice, um, either, either has not discovered where they want to use it or knows where to use it. It may be fearful. Um, and anybody can go first. I would say that, you know, your purpose outweighs any perceived flaws that you think you may have, mm. you know, and your purpose, it, it, it's still there. You know, it, it's gonna, it's, it's, it's waiting for you. So it's not like it's going anywhere because you feel a little fearful, right? And sometimes when we just take that first step, we realize, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Sometimes it's all in our heads. Mm -hmm. But just know that any perceived flaw that you think you may have, and I say perceived because sometimes it's perception. It's not even a real thing, right? Mm -hmm. Your purpose outweighs all of that because tell you what all of us have to kind of fight through and labor through different things to show up right because we know that on the other side of that somebody's waiting for us on the mm -hmm. other side of that you know it, it it's it's going to pay off not only for us but for our fellow sisters so just remember that your purpose outweighs your flaws that is excellent advice thank you monique yeah my advice to would be to face your fears Whatever it is that you think you can't do, take that first step and you'll find that if you take that first step, you're not alone. And there's somebody there to help you, pass the, hand you that part of the baton to take you to that next level. And as you go from what they say, faith to faith and glory to glory, and as you go through those steps, you'll uh, elevate even more. And so there's always that village that uh, is sent to help support you and get you to where you need to be so that you can ultimately fulfill your for your purpose. So don't wait and don't delay. Don't continue to walk in fear. Just catapult yourself forward. And if you take the first step, I guarantee you the rest of them will be equally um, as it as opposed to what I'm looking for, equally rewarding for you. Awesome. Thank you. Chris. So I think I've got two pieces, one that's more lofty and theoretical and one that is very practical. Mm -hmm. um, because our resistance, our existence is resistance. I would say, um, keep on, 
that would be my advice. Keep on, keep writing, keep reading, keep listening, keep creating, keep loving, keep praying, keep mumbling and humming, you know, to God, keep, keep talking to your folks, keep having these conversations. Um, just keep on. The time is going to pass. You're going to grow older, as, you know, as, for as many days as God gives you. But keep on. Don't stop. So that would be my first advice um, or words of wisdom. And then in a more practical vein, how do you keep on? Apply, apply, apply until you get it or you die. My Aunt Therese told me that once. And she meant, she meant it in terms of graduate school. She meant it in terms of jobs you feel like you might not be qualified to do. She meant it in terms of like um, open calls, writers, you know, we apply when we see a call for submissions. Even if you don't think your work is, is, is for that piece, even if you think you're not qualified, even if you think, you know, they, they won't like me, they won't like my writing, they won't like my voice, apply. Mm -hmm. Apply, apply, apply until you get it or you die. Trump did it. Huh. And he sat did in office for four years. Completely unqualified, but he tried it. So, <laughs> And it works for him. Yeah, so if know how to do the job. Me, this is why. Listen, if it'll work for a mediocre right man, it can work for you too. So apply, <laughs> apply, apply until you get it or you die. And keep on. Keep on. Thank you so much. I am. I'm so full from this conversation. Like my cheeks hurt from just smiling because of all of the, all of the, everything that you all shared and how inspiring it is and how much the work you do is inspiring. And uh, the advice that you give, I give to you all. Keep on. Keep on doing what you do to inspire every single day. Um, thank you so much for being a part of the show. And uh, I'm just, I'm grateful. I could continue this conversation forever. But thank you so much, each of you, for joining me today. And um, would love to have each and every one of you back on the show. Uh, we're going to close it out. I am so glad that we had the opportunity to talk to these amazing women. I mean, their stories and just the things that they've been uh, able to overcome and the ways in which they've used their voice and encourage others to use their voices. Listen, you got to share this. You got to share this. You got to share this with somebody that needs to hear it. Um, we appreciate you and, and join us the next time on Queen Conversations. Come on, ladies, let's join.